Hello, this is Chris Jansen. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome, folks, to the End Evil Podcast. This is Chris Jansen. Glad to see you. I'm glad to be back. Evil is the destruction of freedom. The End Evil Podcast, I came up with the idea from the book, The End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke. I discovered that book through a podcast called What on Earth is Happening with Mark Passio. And he was the main inspiration for me to get out there and start podcasting. Um, but I, there are a lot of other awesome content creators that I came across on the way. Many of them now are showing their work on the One Great Work Network. And um, today I have a special guest with me Leslie Powers, and she is a friend from who uh, recently is showing up on the One Great Work Network. I know she's excited to be there. Her website is called AliveThrive.life. Trying to bring Leslie in. There you are. Hi, Leslie. Thanks for joining Hi. me. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, but you're pretty much your whole life career. You've worked with people or um, some kind of therapy type situation. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Social work and, and mental health therapy. Yes, in a variety of settings. Well, I think that's just like fantastic because, you know, someone like yourself that spent years and years working with people and getting to understand people has a really, um, I think you have an excellent insight into what makes people tick, why they do the things they do. And I really liked the um, recent presentation that you published uh, about truth called truth versus perception. And I was hoping we could have a discussion about that today. Of course. Yeah. Let's do yeah, um, I'm glad to see you on the One Great Work Network, and um, it's neat to see you're putting out work. And um, it, the more people we get on, the more different perspectives. It, it just, I think, it really brings together the whole fabric of of the reality. And I think that's really what we're talking about today. Is like, what is reality? You know, some people think reality can be just anything. You can make it whatever you want. And I think you and I agree that reality isn't just anything. That there is actually is such thing as truth. So I thought that'd be a good place to, to um, start off for you. What does truth mean? And how did you discover that word as being such a fundamental word to use in your work? Sure. <clears throat> well, I think in the most fundamental way, truth is simply what is. It's what's, what's actual, what has occurred, what is occurring. Um, it's, there's a really only truth, you know, and um, where my presentation came in was around the phrase that's really frequently used, my truth. And I, I had been making a little video and I slipped in and I'm like, I'm excited to share my truth. And then I started to think about it and I was like, well, what do I mean by that? Like, what is my truth? What does that mean? And is there more than one truth, you know? And I, and I started to to just contemplate on the importance of the words we use and, and um, the importance of being very specific about what we mean when we say words. And when we start to, you know, commonly say, well, this is my truth. Well, you can have your truth and I'm going to just have my truth, right? It, it leads to this sense that truth is relative, that, that there isn't really truth. And so this presentation is really about questioning that a bit and saying, well, what did, what did, what do you mean when you say my truth? 
most of the time when people say my truth, it's more like my perception, my belief, my stand, you know, my opinion. Um, and it can mean a lot of, it can, it can function in a lot of ways. It could be like, uh, I don't want to listen to what you're saying. Stop challenging me. This is my truth. Just, you know, you have your truth. I'll have mine. And I was exploring how that is actually um, fundamentally dangerous when we start thinking about that there's more than one truth or truth is relative. And how do we discern truth and how important that is? So, so are you saying that truth is dangerous? <laughs> what I said, what the question I asked is my truth dangerous? You know, because the reason, because when we start thinking about my truth as saying, well, there's really no truth, it's all relative to our perception, then we're saying there's really no truth, which then is, opens up the door to us being able to justify doing most anything. And it takes away, <clears throat> you know, the fundamental natural law principle, you know, of morality, that there is a way to discern right and wrong. And there is ultimately a truth. Now, I can, I'm not going to say that as humans that we are um, able to know the truth about everything, right? You know, we're in some ways trying, we're seekers, we're seeking truth, but there's ultimately going to be um, a true and a false about things that happen, right? And and when it comes to moral principles, it's really important not to, to go to that gray zone where we are coming from a perspective of solipsism, that we are kind of the arbitrators of truth and we get to create what's real and what's not and act accordingly to how we want it to be instead of how things are. And that's where it becomes dangerous. Yeah, I like how you use the term perception. Um, what occurs to me is like, okay, I'm driving through downtown and I see downtown, any big city, I see someone walking along and they're like talking to someone who I can't see and they're having this vigorous conversation, maybe even walking out in the road. And I know, you know, folks like that, um, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why people might be in that shape, but I know that's kind of some of the people that you have dealt with in your career and your line of work. Um, people that are just like experiencing a different reality than most of us are. So there's definitely a wide range of perceptions that people are experiencing. And I can see where that might be a little misleading in terms of making someone think that, oh, you can have one reality and I can have another and both are true, you know? Mm -hmm. So what is the difference there between um, reality, truth, and our perception, you know, I think that's an important differentiation mm -hmm. there. So I'm glad mm -hmm. you put it that way. Yeah. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Well, a big part of what I'm encouraging in this presentation is for people to question, to, to question what is actually true, but also more importantly, to question your own thoughts and beliefs and to consider the, <clears throat> the idea that we are all programmed from birth, we're conditioned, we're socialized. And that socialization and programming has implanted ideas about what is real and true into our mind. And we 
because a lot of that programming starts very, very young, that conditioning, that we don't question a lot of what we um, are saying is, is true, is right, you know? And, <clears throat> but, but I'm saying, hey, I'm inviting you to question that and say, well, wait a minute, where did this idea come from? Where did this belief come from? Did it, did I create this through a very broad study of information or is that just something that I was told was true by my parents and my grandparents and my teachers, you know, and then reinforced by my friends and their parents, right? And, or the media and the TV and the headlines on the newspapers. There's so many things that we, you know, take for granted as true that play into our, our, paradigms, you know, the paradigms we, we carry in our heads that we base our decisions on. And I'm saying, wait a minute, you know, that those things may not be actually true. And so when we are talking, you know, in a debate or a discussion about something, and someone has a point of view that's different than ours, and we automatically sometimes put the brakes on really fast and say, but wait a minute, you know, blah, 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 this is what's true, this is what's important. And when somebody challenges that, it, it can turn into this thing like, well, that's, you know, you can think what you think, that's your truth, this is my truth, I don't wanna talk about it, <clears throat> and stop there, right? So people are stopping and just like settling into, like that's the end of the conversation. And I think that that is dangerous because the discussion, the debate, the consideration of other points of view is essential. It's essential to really finding out what's true, to getting closer to the truth, let's say about what's going on in the world and the corruption that's going on. And unless we question it and have that debate, and instead of just sort of like shutting our minds and saying, nope, I don't believe that, that's not, doesn't fit into my paradigm, it's not my truth, right? then you know then there's very high possibility that that are that we're not that we're contributing to you know evil things in the world instead of being part of the solution to to help humanity and um so it's really about recognizing that truth and perception are different things our beliefs are different than truth and that it's, it is important to question it because we're in a really critical time right now in history where we really can't sit on our laurels and just go on as if um, nothing's wrong, you know, and keep go, doing what, what, what sort of we've always been done, done before in the past. You know, we're carrying on the, the beliefs, perceptions, the biases of our parents, and then we, you know, change some of that and come up with our own idea of what's right but a lot of things they they stay they're very deep rooted they're they're very programmed through it's a lot of conditioning and a lot of repetition and by challenging it we become an outsider in a sense which is also you know a distressing place to be sometimes <clears throat> but the point is question and use your words consciously when it's your opinion say it's your opinion it's your perception your perception 
my truth is a very misleading uh, phrase. You know, I know some people like to kind of make the argument like, um, for instance, when we talk about moral relativism, I, I remember looking it up and in textbooks they have like a bold faced heading that says cultural relativism. And they're talking about how, oh, in a different countries, you know, the rules are different, you know, um, someone might have to wear their hair up in a bun because, you know, people think that's rude there. Or you go to a different country and, you know, you're not really supposed to wear shorts, you know, you should cover your legs at all times if you're a male or something, mm -hmm. you know, and so people will point to things like these and say, look, there's different values in different places, depending on where you go. So you know, the rules of morality are not the same. They're not, not universal. It all depends. And so I'm curious to see how you would deal with that um, type of argument someone might make, mm -hmm. which I would say they're kind of arguing for a moral relativism. And um, <clears throat> I distinguish between values and morals. So to me, moral morals are based on natural law principles. They're more cut and dry. They're about first principles, you know, you don't murder, you don't assault, you don't lie, coerce, trespass, or steal, you know, you don't rape, you don't do, these are moral laws, okay, morality, and that's true universally. And yet you can have values around, you know, let's say, when you do a Native American sweat, women, they, they encourage women to wear skirts. So it's like a courtesy based on the values of that tradition. There's nothing wrong with that. It's about clarity, really, of what it is. It doesn't mean that it's morally wrong to, to wear um, shorts or in a sweat lodge, but it's disrespectful, perhaps, to do that in a sweat lodge run in a traditional Native American way, right? So we're not saying that you just go around and say, I can do whatever I want because I'm free and I can disrespect your preferences or values when I come into your home, you know? That's different. But it does mean that, <clears throat> let's say we go into a home or a place and they say, um, you need to uh, pass a test in order to join our club and I want you to go um, steal something or kill an animal, right? Then we're crossing the line into a more a morality issue where we say, whoa, wait a minute, life is valuable. It is not morally appropriate. It's not right to kill or steal. You know, that's the line. Does, so who that makes that line? Why, you know, why is it that not, that not an arbitrary line? You know, people can say, hey, you know, there's all these bad people in another country doing something and we bomb those people. We're doing the right thing, right? I mean, who is to say what's right and what's wrong? I think that's where people get frustrated, you know? Right. And so what we're what basically the bottom line is that humans don't create the laws of morality. Natural law doesn't come from human law. And that's what has created all this chaos and confusion in the world are humans going in there and saying, well, I'm an authority and I know, I'm, I have this uh, extra right to impose my will on you, right? And I get to decide that, you know, those people over there, um, you know, 
don't belong there. So I'm going to go in and bomb this so I can get that. You know, all of that is all human games. It's, it's humans playing games around control and authority and um, violating natural law. Natural law comes from the creator. It comes from nature. It's it's not human made. We are all subject to something bigger than us, something greater than us. <clears throat> and so na natural law is that. There are consequences to immoral behaviors. And it happens whether we want it to or not, whether we like it or not. If we violate a natural law, like we murder someone, there are ripple effects to that. There's likely to be a consequence to me, whether it's now or later, or when I face, you know, my death, you know, or, or, and then there's a consequence to the people around me. If I go to jail, there's a consequence to my, my children, my, my family. It, there's a consequence to the family of the murdered person. There's a con, you know, there's all sorts of consequences and it plays out in all sorts of ways. In any time we violate a natural natural law principle. Well, yeah, it's really refreshing to hear you say that. You know, so many people um, don't understand that, or maybe it's that they've never really heard it put in that way. That's the other thing that occurs to me, because we still have, you know, everywhere you look in our structure, um, we have in our structure of society, we have um, just about every system in place is willing to um, force you to do things or to make people do things, which is clearly um, crossing that line. And, and you and I have kind of covered that. And so I think we're pretty well in agreement that um, harm, harming others, harming life is crossing that line. Right. You put that you put that very well, that that makes a lot of sense. So let's look a little bit more at some of the gray areas we deal with in our personal lives. Um, right. You know, I, I mean, to, go I ahead, jump say, in. You know, where the, before we, we shift too much is that where the perception comes in is how conditioned we've been to say, obey law, obey man's law, right? And so people confuse man's law with, with God's law. And, and religion, like Christianity, has confused those two things and made them like one thing. And I'm saying, wait a minute, question that. That's a, that's, there's more to that. Is it really true? Is it really true that, that a law is moral? You know, Because if a law is moral, then it's true in every setting at all times for all people. If it changes from one state or one county or one person to the other, then it's not, it's not, not a law. It's, it's a human control measure, right? Yeah. And that's a good, really way, a good way to discern, you know, is to ask yourself, Hey, would this, would this apply in a different situation? Would it apply to someone else? Would it apply in all situations? And, um, oh, um, Jennifer jumped in and asked us about solipsism. You know, that that's another good point. You know, I was talking about moral relativism. I think the other thing you see often is people kind of think that reality is just kind of like um, what I think it is or, or you know, I remember in our um, funnel conference, John talked about this in his childhood, going through this period of time in his life where you start thinking, I think we've all done this at, at one period of time in our life. Maybe everything that's happening is just a projection for me and I'm the only actor and everybody else is just a stage. 
you know, like uh, what was the movie with, uh, 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 well, I can't remember the name of the movie right now, but you know what I'm talking about, Jim Carrey. And, oh, right. um, you know, he's the actor and everybody's watching him, you know, so um, I'm curious your thoughts on solipsism and did that, yeah, that did come up in your presentation. I remember it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, I, so I dated a guy who, um, he, we were having a conversation about God. Does he believe in God and all this? And he said, no, I believe I'm God. And I was like, well, I, I'm like all like Pollyanna. I'm like, well, you know, we all have God within us, right? God is part of all of us. And he's like, um, no, I don't mean that. I mean that I'm God and, and I get to control what happens. And that's how he lived. He decided that he wanted certain privileges, right? Certain to do certain things. And he justified them in his mind and did whatever he wanted basically to get what he wanted and um, thought he was like all it. He's God, you know? And it, there isn't a higher power, God, or anything beyond that. that he, and he, he believed that and he acted in it what it did. I saw firsthand and experienced, felt the feeling it, you know, was the chaos and the harm done by that to people, right? So to be in that solipsistic mindset, you really have to be pretty uncaring and very, not very empathic is because it's a very narcissistic point of view. Of I'm yeah, and isn't that God, what we see in like every politician? Pretty is much. somebody who is willing to put themselves in a position where they're willing to say to others, oh, I'm going to make decisions for all of you and you're just going to live with it. You know, like they're under the pretense of, well, yeah. a bunch of people voted to said I could do this. Yeah. But once they get in that spot, then they're like, ah, ha, ha, you know, I mean, how can yeah, I know how can what's that best for you? Power, right? You know, I mean, how many what's how's this playing out in the world? Like people saying, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for our country. So we're going to ban this. We're not going to give you this information. We're going to give you this because we care about you, really. You know, I mean, that's that's and the that's mindset. The, the, the key point you, you, you brought up the word justification. And I was going to ask you to talk about that next, because I think that's really what we're all wrestling with. It's so easy to justify things. And there's gray areas in these situations. And when it gets into our personal lives, that's where it gets tricky, right? Because it's really easy to start justifying things and saying, oh, I have to do this because of that. I mean, we all do that. Even those of us that think we're on the right track, that think we're in the truth movement mm -hmm. and think we're trying to learn to be anarchists, we're still making a lot of compromises. Most of us aren't really quite what we want to be. So we're making justifications. So how does that play into truth and our perception of truth? You know, unfortunately, I, I think in this life today this world you know most of us have been acting on automatic pilot a lot of us i have you know for many years and kind of going along with things and not and getting bogged down with with life pressures and responsibilities and not really questioning and then then you start to question you start to see like you know i opened up my eyes to to the this information, you know, like shared by Mark Passio on One Earth is Happening and listening to Jordan Maxwell and listening to Michael Tassarian and Sethika Esposa and Michael Denny, you know, these people that had a big impact on me where I'm like, oh, 
these things that I've been taking for granted, whoa, there's a whole nother perspective, a whole nother way of looking at that. And, and so, and then you start to look at the data and it, all of a sudden you realize you've been living a bit of a lie, you know, or that a lot of what the decisions I've made in my life were sending my kids to public school and um, worrying about credit scores and, you know, the jobs that I've worked for, things like that, you start to see them in a different way. And I think that's the key is when you start to have that awareness or the consciousness about what you're doing and about what you're thinking and where those thoughts came from, start to question them. And then you can start to make different decisions, hopefully, or unpeel yourself from all of that, that matrix, you know, that you've been entangled in it, you know, it's like you start to see things for what they are and how you've been tricked in a sense and or manipulated or controlled for someone else's gain, ultimately taking away our, our freedom, you know, because when you play that game that we're given, we get so tangled up that all of a sudden we've like put handcuffs on ourselves. We're, we're all of a sudden like, whoa, I don't really want all of this debt. I don't want this rent that keeps raising, you know, like, but I'm here, so now I have to keep paying the bills somehow or figure out how I'm going to get out, right? And that's really, really, you know, the crux of the situation is the life that each of us are living, and that is our realm, our sphere of influence of what, that's why I find your work um, vital to um, share with other people because so much of the things you hear um, even in the alternative media are kind of still pointing the finger at, you know, big pharma's the problem or, you know, the, these people running the world and surely they are a problem, but, um, the only real, only real handle we have as individuals on the situation is, is in our own interpersonal communications and relationships with each other and what we do with our time and where we put our energy. So, you know, there's a, a process of real realization there. And, and what trips me out is how much um, we all are in the dark often. It's really easy to, for a human to lie to themselves and not realize they're doing it, <laughs> you know, and trips me out. So I'm curious from, you know, uh, all the work you've studied and, and therapy with people. Can Do you have any insight on why people, uh, it's so easy for them to lie to themselves? constant justifications. How do we get away with that so much? Why is it so hard to see our own uh, lies? I think there's there's complex answers to that. Um, so when you're born as an infant, right, you're vulnerable, you're um, dependent 100% on the people who are taking care of you. You know, and there's uh, in a tremendous built-in survival system that we have mentally and physically. And yet, if we don't have somebody um, feeding us and you know keeping us close, you know warm enough and so forth, we die. And so this attachment connection, the connection from birth on with caregivers is vital. 
to setting a template for us for about how we perceive the world and how we react or respond to um, perceived dangers or what we perceive as danger or whether or not we're, we perceive ourselves as um, having power, you know, in the world or if we're victims in the world. So this experience right from birth on is so um, instrumental in setting a person up for how empowered they feel. And you could talk, describe this as locus of control. Does a person have their locus, their center of control is internal, that I have power to, to influence, to impact, to make a decision, to say yes, to say no? Do I trust myself to be able to discern? Do I, was I taught the skills of discernment, right? Was I validated? Was I was I given positive feedback for speaking up and having an opinion? You know, there's all these dynamics that 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 start from infancy through our childhood. And we are dependent on and subject to the influences of the adults in our world and the traumas that we experience, the neglect or lack of, you know, the nurturing or the trauma the stress and mental health of our caregivers, of, of the people in our lives, the indoctrination you get in, oops, so sorry, that we get mm, in okay. school. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, experience a lot of trauma. And, and you know, and Mark Passio talks about it as self-loathing as the crux of the problem, that people don't love themselves, don't respect themselves. And they haven't been given the tools of proper critical thinking and um, discernment or given the belief in themselves that they have a right. People, a lot of people don't even know their rights to challenge or question what they're being told to do. You know, in, in the mainstream schools, it's not okay to question a teacher really or challenge the rules. So there's a lot of indoctrination from the beginning. And I think that has everything to do with why people accept lies. You know, they're, they're trained to externalize the locus of control. So the external locus is that the power is outside of us, that it's in the government has the power, the politicians have the power, the president has the power, or, you know, parents have the power, the teachers have the power, the school system has the power, you know, the school system says, oh, the government says we have to do this core curriculum or we won't get paid, you know, and you have to go to school X number of days or you're going to be threatened and taken to court. You know, there's all sorts of coercion and threat that keeps people quite um, feeling very small. I think in a lot of ways and not knowing their rights and not knowing to think like mind control techniques, which we all are subject to in, you know, less dramatic ways than say like trauma-based mind control, which is really severe, but we are all subject to conditioning through the media, through all of these, these institutions of our lives so that we, we aren't really empowered to think for ourselves. A lot of people don't really think for themselves. They just look it up on Google, 
They see what the CDC says. What is Fauci say? Whatever, you know, it's, it's like looking outside to these people who have control, who are going to keep us safe rather than activating, say, that self-defense principle. Of, I know that I need to protect myself. So I'm going to empower myself to be ready to, to do what's needed to preserve my well-being and my rights. That's we, we, got a, we got a selfish. cool um, comment from Jay, and he said, any thoughts on the currency system and how it's used as weapon by the dark occultists? How can we disconnect so we, we aren't reliant on big daddy government? And, you know, that might be just a tiny bit off topic, but it's right dead on topic when, when I think about the way that money is part of that, um, an ingredient to that, what you're describing, that recipe of yeah. keeping us, you know, okay, you're already kind of grown up within whether it's religion or indoctrination through school or parents telling you always listen to authority. But then once you are there and you kind of got your head down and your focus is already, like you're saying, on that external, then you got this pressure of money. Yeah. And, and that that is a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah, it's totally. I know incredible. you can talk about that. So. Yeah. And you were talking before about our energy, right? Our energy is valuable. Well, what takes our energy? You know, what's related to our energy? Time and money, right? In a way. So we're... The whole money system, I see it as a um, way of keeping us in survival mode, that we constantly have to worry about our, our basic needs, you know, to, to keep food and shelter and um, be safe, right? And we have to work 40 hours a week, right, in order to make enough, maybe, maybe not, but, you know, you're always kept on that edge. Oh, my God, I got to... I'm stressed out I'm, I, to make ends meet. Money is, is you played, we're played with money. Like right now the gas prices are going up. It's effect, it affects us all. Can we travel? You know, can we meet, meet our, make our bills, right? So wh when do we have the energy to, you know, if we're stressing out, it's stealing our energy. It's stealing our physiology. You know, it's impairing us. And what, you know, and that is going to affect our decisions, yeah, right? It like affects we're going to justify things we might not otherwise. Right. Just, you know, and, and then what we really need is time to contemplate, time to read, to, to meditate, to, to, to gather information, like through that trivium process it takes time, right? We have to put energy into researching things and studying things and thinking about them and contemplating and talking to people about them, right? And there's not a lot of, that's not the, you know, what's encouraged in our culture and money has a lot to do with that, I think. Yeah. Well, look at, um, you were talking, when you were talking earlier about, you know, the importance of being able to have discussions about things and get to the bottom of truth, you know, because it's hard for any one of us to get the whole truth on just about anything that happens, let's say, you know, but when you talk with other people, we can get little details and tidbits and start putting it all together and we get a better picture of the whole reality. But you look at like debate in, in our modern uh, mainstream society culture, what is debate? People think of a presidential debate and what is that? It's a bunch of shit throwing, you know, it's, yeah, it's one yeah. person calling the other person names and trying to make the other one look bad to get ratings. 
and it's not a debate. And so we don't really have a lot of good examples of how to have a discussion or a debate with yeah. other people, much less even our own self. And I think how we talk to ourselves and the way we think is a big part of the problem. And that's part of the problem that we can work on. And so I think that's what your presentation really points to. And um, Jennifer just said, self-actualization is mm -hmm. the most important need. So um, what do you think about that? Like, what can we actually do? Okay, we're, we're already stressed and overwhelmed. We've been indoctrinated. Okay, there's still things we can do, right? Right. So, so self-actualization, if you think about Maslow's pyramid, right? So where it's a higher, he's describing this as a hierarchy of needs and it's not perfect model, but I think it, it's useful. Upside so down base, from the native the point of view. The base of that is the, is the basic survival needs. You know, we need food, clothing, shelter, you know, we need to feel safe. There's, then you go up, you know, to trust and relationships and you build up through these foundational needs, which, you know, I think that all human beings have a right to food, clothing, shelter, safety, right? You know, and so if those needs are met, it allows then people to go to that place of self-actualization, which is the, the, the expansion of our consciousness and to, to connect to our spiritual self, right? Ourselves as spiritual beings. What, you know, the whole money system and the way that, that we're in this like rat race keeps us in the physical world of survival where we don't get as many opportunities to be in the spiritual to really explore those spiritual aspects of our reality and ourselves um and then there was another part to your question about what do we do and and i think that comes back to the locus of control we have to take back the power into our own core we need to look at ourselves and take responsibility for our role in how we've created our own life you know yes we're impacted by the decisions of everyone else through you know history and in the present time and the way to true freedom is for the majority you know to recognize their you know what their rights are and stand for freedom but yet we can do something within our own circle of influence and within our own um, life as much and as much as we can do is, is matters, right? Even if we can't live entirely free and sovereign and, you know, we, we can make decisions and that may mean that we give up comforts or, um, take steps that are scary because they're really outside of our conditioning right you know so we can i i left a job because i was unwilling to participate in the mandates that they were they were imposing on me they were coercing me to to do i'm not willing i wasn't willing to do that so i left you know i'm not a hundred percent um out of the system but i'm in a much I made, was able to make some really clear lines about what I'm willing to do or not do. And, to, and that, I think, influenced other people. Um, you know, there's all that, sorts of ways. Um, so, so Mark I'm going to come back about, to Will's comment, but Jennifer yeah. said security is an illusion. And I think that's right along with what you're saying. You it, know, we it, can't, it plays we, into we our can. fear, right? Fear is used against us. And we have, like, that's... A, 
a natural response to a perceived threat to survival is fear and then some kind of a, a way to protect oneself. And so when the system that we're, we're in is capitalizing on our fear, they're promoting our fear, they're, they're throwing us off balance, they're, they're, we're in the R complex and the limbic system of our brain, we're not activating our frontal lobes and our, and our, our thinking brain that much, that well, right? So it's, it's a cycle. So like we're living our whole life thinking the only reason we're safe from danger is because we have things like government to protect us. You know, mm -hmm. and that's why people react when we try to say, hey, government is evil. We we need to stop having anything to do with it. They're like, mm -hmm. well, what's going to keep me safe? You know, their, their mind is very attached to that idea that you can be mm -hmm. safe, but that's not actually a fact about um, about nature. This reality is that there is no safe you know i i like jen's point you know that that's that's an illusion mm -hmm. but a lot um, of things are are an illusion because if we're looking to the outside that's we're abdicating our own our own sovereignty right and our own power to create security like who who's who has the power to create our own security we do you know and we can learn the like with a good community right what's that by making good, like if you have a good community and a good system of friends and a good system of self-defense, you can create a certain amount of security that someone else otherwise wouldn't have, right? I mean, and skills and knowledge, right? Survival skills and you know, intrinsic having. So we go back to the idea of value. What has intrinsic value? Those things that help us um, survive, to live harmoniously with the earth. To, to understand that this earth is abundant, that we have everything we need, and that if we learn to, to harmoniously work with the laws of nature, we have food, we have shelter, we have clothing, we have friends, we have safety, we have security. This is all the things that come from within and through our expanding network of community that understands living through natural law and um taking in, intrinsic control over their their lives right and living within the nonviolence principle and the self-defense principle learning about morality and living that way that's ultimately what brings security it's not it's not our military you know yeah but in the meantime that's where i want to bring it back to um will's um comment he said dependency of external factors like government institutions food education health people have outsourced their power to the control system through generational conditioning. So yeah. that's been going on for quite some time. Now that we find ourselves in that situation, many of us can't easily extricate ourselves. You know, there's people um, that are, you know, have been used to getting their money from government for quite some time. And, you know, they're recently coming to realizations that, hey, I'm getting my money from an evil source. That money was ill gotten. It was stolen. I don't really want to do that anymore, but I, I still got to feed my kids, you know? And so people are in a lot of ways feeling like their hands are tied, but I like what you said that we look for the things we can do. Right. And we start working on those, yeah. you know, I mean, stop making we'll... justifications why we can't do those things. Right. And it is the dependency on the external that has created the perception that we don't have the power to be self-reliant or self-sufficient. That's a belief based on an indoctrination. Okay, there are skills 
that we can acquire to obtain our own food in nature. We don't need the grocery store that. We can grow food. We can forage food. We can, you know, a lot of people don't even know where food comes from. It doesn't come from a grocery store, you know, originally. And education doesn't need to come from the mainstream school. And the healthcare system isn't even really about health. It's been hijacked. And true health comes through other 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 means and we can learn and study those and empower ourselves we don't have to be dependent on those external factors anymore and and that's i think the education that that is needed for people to help them not be afraid not be afraid to extricate themselves from the system many many people i can't leave my job because i'll lose my health insurance i need to stay in this job because it's giving me good retirement Right. It's this idea that they they're going to be like rudderless, you know, or without a, a foundation to stand on if they don't have this these this government help or whatever, you know, the health insurance. And it's it is a bit scary, you know, when you think about it sometimes. But it is a it's a that I think is where we need to push through those fears and take those some of those those calculated risks well i think what you're doing um by making presentations and by putting um these things into words and then sharing them with others you know that provides that opportunity number one for the debate as you discussed and number two for people to start seeing the little things that we can do differently and you know it's one thing coming from this weird bearded conspiracy guy but it's another thing coming from someone like yourself who's like you know an attractive female who's a therapist you know and it's like you know well we get these things coming from all these different perspectives and someone else hears it for the first time it might actually make a little sense and they might say hmm maybe there are a few things i can do to change um you know my day-to-day -day living and life so i guess the next part of the conversation is going forward you know, when we think about these ideas, we're talking about truth and perception. You know, we have a lot of people thinking that you can just believe things are going to get better or you can just manifest, you know, the world you want to live in. And a lot of people want to be really optimistic about the future, but there's a lot of problems. So how would you apply truth in terms of how we think forward about the future and how we project forward, you know, and look at look at reality with the eyes of truth, you know? Yeah. Well, I would Does say make sense? that there's, that there's a lot of, um, there's power in our thinking and positive thinking and optimism is important. Gratitude is important, right? Um, aligning our, our thoughts and our emotions with our actions though is really key. We have to go past just the positive thoughts and the imagination of like visualizing love and light, that's good. That's good. There is like, there's very likely energetic power to our thoughts, you know, and our united optimism, right? But that's not enough to change the physical reality that we're in and the, the world conditions. So, I think that part of taking action through facing yourself honestly, right? 
you know, facing the knowledge of this corruption in the world and how our, if we're participating in it, we are working against all that positive thinking we're doing over here in our meditation time. You know, there has to be an action that aligns with that, which is, you know, if you know in your heart that, you know, and you believe, you know, you're able to kind of affirm, make an affirmation that the world is abundant, that the that, that, that nature is abundant, okay, then walk that talk. Why do you need health insurance? You know, in a way, like what, really question these things that are so automatic where we get defensive. Where do you get defensive? You know, look at that. Instead of just saying, well, this is my truth, you know, I, you know, this is, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, ask, notice where you get defensive and start to question it and start to imagine a new way of living that is based on abundance and, and comes from truth and, and a certain um, harmony, harmonization with nature, as opposed to relying on a man-made system that is giving us the illusion of security and safety, but is really using us, right? And keeping us enslaved and small and limited and taking us away from our spiritual center, our spiritual self. I don't know if that answered. Yeah, it's just there, there um, I guess what's, the little thing that bothers me is thinking about um yeah that's like a pretty positive way to look at things but there's a lot of struggle ahead of us you know i think a lot of us are afraid of what's coming because you know like you said we're seeing gas prices at somewhere they've never been we've seen people divided on issues that you know shouldn't even be serious enough issues to divide people and um it's hard sometimes to talk to people about truth you know if you say no there is truth then I've had people get judgment of me, like I'm trying to say I know everything, you know, and um, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of conflict with the average person I might talk to or someone listening to the show might have a discussion with. And, you know, I want to come out and tell people you need to just tell people the truth, the hard, straight truth that, you know, you can't just believe in whatever reality you want to believe in. But a lot of people don't take it so well. So. I guess what I was curious to hear is um, being a therapist and good with people, you know, any advice or tips you would have for people on how to bring up these subjects, how to discuss them with people when, when so many people are just not ready to hear them, you know, or they're so close-minded. I mean, I think we're doing it in our, the best way we know how in terms of our sharing of information and ideas and encouraging people to question and think. And, you know, in the presentation, Truth Versus Perception, when my truth isn't the truth, you know, um, I share about cognitive distortions and different approaches to questioning your thoughts and beliefs. And, and that is, that is part really key here. And everybody has a pain point. And I think it's about finding the pain point that people have, you know, no, most people aren't happy about, you know, what's going on in the world in this, that, or that, whatever they're, investment is or you know their their button that gets pushed and you know 
and they're not happy with their jobs or working so much or the price of gas. So I think those are entry points into the conversation and then the qu asking questions about it, you know, and, and ch asking questions, you can do it in ways that aren't incredibly offensive or aggressive to just, you know, ask some questions about, is it really true that like gas prices really have to go up? You know, do we really need oil and whatever, you know, like start to question and where, where's this info coming from? And, you know, I, you know, you can, you can work with questions and, and encouraging people to come back to reflect on their own thoughts. It, it ultimately comes down to people being willing to question themselves. And from there, and then say like, well, you, you know, if you don't like something, then, then what is the, the, how do you, what is it, the state of being, I guess that's another thing that's important. It's, it's about the state of, of being, our state of consciousness is what's what people are seeking, but going about it through seeking um, material things, right? And material things aren't the answer. So there's lots of inroads, you know, to this dialogue, but the dialogue's important and getting past the censorship is important. Yeah. And I think what, what you said that really sticks out for me is that it's more about asking ourselves questions, you know, asking someone else questions might be a good way to deal with someone that's really disagreeing with you just to show them you're listening and to get them to talk about things. But, um, you know, like the more clear we are within ourselves, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Is the, that the, well, the other thing is just being a role model of being happy in the, the, the steps that we're taking towards sovereignty, right? You know, we, as we're detaching from the system, we're also building a new community and this community is bringing real fulfillment i know in my life the the, the the most fulfilling things i experience come through this sort of new experience of community that is built around the idea of sovereignty and self-sufficiency and as we do that and we share that and we are happy, content, you know, in this experience and we are healthy and vibrant and we're um, not scared, you know, people are may say, I want some of that. Like, how do you get there? And we can share about that and we can we can in, in, include people in part of our journey there. I mean, that's another another way of looking at it. Cool. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, even though I threw a little bit of uh, darkness in there, you still brought it back to the light and and um, pointing people towards solutions. And, and as far as that goes, I would point people to your website um, where you've done a lot of work, just an impressive amount, alivethrive.life. And you're now on the One Great Work Network and you have some stuff to share there. You can look up Leslie Powers on the One Great Work Network or check her out on um, alivethrive.life. And you also do um, 
like um, supervision for coaches. How else would someone get a hold of you, Leslie? Uh, I think the best way would be through my website and the, the email that's there, okay. vibrantlightcounseling at gmail.com would be the best way. From a lifethrive.life. Yeah, so yeah. folks, go on over there. Um, if you're looking for um, answers to all your questions that you ever yeah, have, right. it's on Leslie's <laughs> <of> website. <laughs> no, but you got a lot of good work there, and I, I found it very impressive. And I look forward to seeing... Um, what you're going to be putting out next. I think you're, I'll look forward to seeing your work because you're going to be with us at the Funnel 2 conference. And I want yeah. to tell people Funnel 2 conference is now planned for September, September 10th and 11th. And we're going to be um, talking about that more in future weeks. I hope I can get Leslie to come back and join me again because I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate your insight and your way of looking at things. Thanks for um, joining me today, Leslie. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. It's been All fun. Right, well, We'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. Okay, okay folks. Um, thanks so much for joining me for the End Evil podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific. And um, so take Leslie's advice. Um, look for questions you can ask yourself. Examine your own areas that, that bring about issues for you. And um, never stop questioning. And um, evil is the destruction of freedom. Thanks for joining me, folks. We'll see you next week.